This is Shifting Our Schools, Episode 80, The Questions I Get Asked. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening and tuning in this week. I have a, a, a great show for you uh, about questions that I get asked. Uh, before before we get into that, I just want to remind you again that I am now booking PD days and keynotes for August uh, kickoffs to the new school year. So if you think that I'd be a good fit for your school or your district, please reach out to me via the contact form either on sospodcast.org or on my website, jeffudick.com. And I'll make sure there are links to both of those in the show notes. This week, I thought I would take some time to uh, go over some questions that I get asked. I had a school district write to me and just had this list of questions that they would like uh, my thoughts on. And so uh, I went through and answered all the questions for the district. And then I got thinking, I was like, man, what a great way uh, to maybe turn this into a podcast. Because these are questions that I get asked a lot. And I think there's a lot of districts that are kind of going through these some different transitions. And so I thought I'd run through the questions and some of the responses that I had uh, to the questions at hand. So here we go. The first question they asked was, how do we move from device deployment and inventory to enthusiastically transforming teaching practice to engage students and enhance learning for student achievement. And this question comes from as this school district is uh, getting there, they've rolled out a one-to-one program. And so, you know, the tech coaches and the ed tech department's job was really to get those devices into the hands of students. And now what they're trying to do is, is re-envision what is their job now? How do we engage students and enhance learning with student um, with student achievement? And I think the first thing to understand is, you know, all districts are wrestling with this. And I like to share the study called the Mirage. And the Mirage is a great study at the professional development. It's a research paper. Uh, I will link to it. I think it, every ed tech team, every district needs to read this. Uh, it came out in 2015. It's called the Mirage. And I'll link to it. It's a free PDF you can download that shows what we've been doing in the past isn't working when it comes to professional development, that there is no evidence that the way we've done PD in the past shows any true growth in teachers or student outcomes other than the first five years you are a teacher. It's an incredible document that really goes into it. That being said, there is evidence in the report that concludes that there are two things that need to happen. One, we need to take a deep look at the way that we evaluate teachers and educators. So that's number one, that they found that school districts who go towards a growth mindset, I know this is going to be a shocker, in the way that they evaluate teachers, they actually saw that professional development helped. The other thing that they found is the only professional development, the only professional development that showed to have a lasting effect in the classroom is long-term embedded PD. They found that doing, you know, uh, June end of the school year retreats doesn't help. It has actually no effect on teacher teaching. Uh, August, no effect on teachers teaching. Sending teachers to a conference has zero impact on student learning. That is what this massive report shows. There's no correlation. Does one teacher come back? Maybe. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is that the PD has to be embedded and it has to be long-term. We can't keep having these pull-out programs where we try to pull teachers out, try to you know do something with them in June in hopes that something happens the next school year. It just doesn't work. That's not the way the brain works. That's not the way learning happens. So what we do, and, and this 
this is one of my, my ideas with this school district and one of my recommendations is you are rolling out a one-to-one program this year. The first year of your one-to-one program, you decide on who those teachers are, right? Understand who those teachers are and you have to embed and the long-term professional development. This is the work that I've been doing with, with the school districts around here is we, you know, teachers get three to four trainings a year. The district is paying for a sub. Those teachers are released. They're in a one-to-one program and they get eight hours, three times a year with myself or others. And we get to go deep into understanding the changes happening in your classroom when every kid has a laptop. And to me, that is the first thing, is that there's no easy way to quote, as the question asks, enthusiastically transform teaching practice to engage student enhanced learning for student achievement unless there is a long-term commitment of professional development and looking deeply at what teaching and learning looks like when every kid has a device. The second question, how do we engage leadership in the vision mission? Man, that is a tough one because if you are a tech coach or you are coming up from you know, that kind of mid-level coaching kind of role, or even if you're a teacher, it's really hard to get buy-in from the top. Leadership has to be involved. In fact, the school districts that I work with, we require that administrators come to the training and not all administrators do it. But I will tell you the districts where the principals and the assistant principals are in the trainings with the teachers, those school districts move faster, the culture changes, and we hold each other to a different expectation. We have to get teachers or we have to get leaders to buy into this as well. And we have to get leaders to understand that they need to tell their school story. We need leadership to to understand that social media is here, that there's amazing things that can be done with social media to tell your story. Schools are not telling their stories. And that's one of the things I like to talk about with leadership is not only do you need, not only is this changing, not only is technology changing the way we teach and changing the way students are learning, but it has a great impact on the way we communicate with our communities. If your principal does not update their Facebook page, that's the number one thing to me. Every principal, it is probably written somewhere in their job description that part of their job is to communicate with the community. I got news for you. Newsletters don't do it anymore. Your school has to have a Facebook page and your principal and leadership team have to be able to tell your school's story on the positive effects that we are having in education. I see this all the time. Schools aren't telling their stories, so then they let parents and misinformation run wild on the on the network because they don't know how to, how to tell their own story. We've got to upgrade our leadership in being able to tell those stories specifically on social media. The next question was, how do we coordinate uh, curriculum coordinators and ed tech to share the work in a sustainable, integrated, collaborative effect? effort. What I love about this is this is starting to really think about this idea that ed tech should not be a standalone department, that ed tech is part of curriculum, that every curriculum coordinator needs to have a strong fundamental understanding of how technology is impacting their curricular area. That is so huge because here, here's the issue. We are adopting curriculum and there is no curriculum that I know of that is made for the one-to-one classroom which means we have to understand that when you adopt curriculum, you still need to take that curriculum and you still need to transform it into something that has every kid having a laptop in front of that teacher. Just adopting new curriculum isn't going to do anything with a one-to-one program. It's not educating today. 
We can't educate today without thinking about, okay, here's the curriculum of what they need to know, but how am I using the world as my curriculum knowing that I've got every kid on a laptop? How does that change? And this becomes a massive part of curriculum coordinators, which is why ed tech needs to become a part of curriculum. We have to change the mindset then of this idea, and you've heard this a lot on the podcast, of the difference between just-in-case models of education and a just-in-time model of education. And that is where ed tech and curriculum coordinators must work together to understand how do we structure this stuff to take advantage of every kid having a a device. We have to have some shared understandings and belief on what technology plays in the classroom, what parts does it play in the the classroom, understanding we still don't want kids on technology all the time, that adopting curriculum for a lot of districts now is getting an ebook, and I'm hearing from more and more kids, they don't want their textbook on their computer. Why would you? If you're only going to use the laptop so that kids can have a textbook that they don't have a carry around, that is a waste of money. You know, we've got to do better than just adopting curriculum that has a digital textbook. All right, next question. How do we get district-wide adoption of the EdTech model as a positive learning tool? How can we ensure it is messaged well, utilized, effective, and sustainable over time? And I don't care what model you use. Uh, this district is using the, the PICRAT model. You can use the SAMR model. You can use the TPAC model. I don't care what the model is. What I do care is that we start through this embedded professional development that we pick a strategy and we stick with it. And we start slowly. You know, uh, When I'm working with school districts, it's minimum three to five year contracts where we over five years, get to every teacher. You can't get every teacher in year one. But we start, you know, and many of the districts that I work with have adopted the SAMR model. And so we start talking SAMR. We introduce the SAMR model. We unpack the SAMR model. We start thinking about what does it look like in your classroom? How do you take a lesson or a unit and how do you SAMRize it? And that is how you start the conversation. And again, we have to also bring the leadership along to understand that when they're in the classroom or they're sitting down talking to a teacher, that we're talking that same language. And that takes time, but you just adopt a system and then you have to be speaking that, that system as a uh, district. And that gets rolled out through these embedded long-term professional developments, which again, you're going to hear me say that because it's the only PD that works. And we have to understand that right now, every single teacher, every single teacher needs to go back to school when there's a one-to-one device in their classroom because there is not a university system that I know of. And if there is, please forgive me because I haven't found it yet, that is actually teaching teachers how to teach in a full one-to-one program. And many of these teachers, many teachers out there, including myself, were never taught that. We didn't even know that was a thing. We were just, when I graduated my university program, we didn't even, weren't even taught that there was going to be a lab of computers in our school, that we were going to have to take our kids to the lab. And now we're talking with teachers who they've got all these devices and not just laptops. They've got watches and phones and, you know, it's going to be embedded in our clothes. And that is just a different way of teaching. And so we have to spend time upping the skills of our teachers. And and that's where this professional development really comes into play. So the next question then is, 
What would you ask a consultant about moving our tech integration initiative forward to be more impactful of the building level? So that was a question they asked uh, to, the, to the group I talked to. And uh, here are some of their questions. So number one question they asked is, what would you see as the best first step? And I just said, you know, build an understanding that today's students are different. Expect their learning to be different and start building an understanding of a just-in-time learning model. This is the key to understanding kids today is that we have to understand that they are living in a just-in-time world and we have to structure their learning to be just-in-time. How? Uh, next question. How tech is used for accommodations across districts or for individuals? What is happening out there? So I, I just wrote to this. I didn't really understand what that question was, but what I'm, what I'm seeing is that technology is breaking down more barriers. Uh, it is... In my case, my idea, the the most different device that uses the that allows you to differentiate the most in the classroom. It's not always about the tech, but the tech can break down language barriers and learning abilities. It's incredible what you can do with these machines in a classroom. You can get you know your introverts to talk. Uh, and maybe not out loud, but they're they're talking in comments and they're talking collaboratively in a document. There's so many great ways that you can use for accommodating uh, students of needs uh, across your district. The next question is, how can we move tier one and tier two teachers along? Best strategies for PD implementation. So this one, you know, I, I love this question because we get we get stuck in this all the time as as tech coaches and as school districts is how do we bring all of our teachers along well if you go back to the report the mirage again i'll link that this pd report is what you will notice is that all of these teachers and we find this in every organization this isn't just an educational thing this is every organization that you have to make a decision are you going to focus on the willing those who are willing to move we also call those early adopters Or do you try to educate all? And when it comes to professional development, we need to remember that it's not the classroom where our job is to educate them all where they are. When we're talking about professional development, we're trying to change culture. We're trying to move organizations. And all of the research shows that you have to get your early adopters on board first. And if you get your early adopters on board, then your tier two teachers will come along because your two tier tier two teachers or those that are in the middle of the bell curve, they're willing to move. They just want to have somebody else work out all the bugs for them. And so you need to be able to have, and I call this, I usually call the group my scouts. I need a group of 16 to 20 teachers in a district who have the mindset to do best for what kids are today. It's not even about technology. It's about having the growth mindset that we need to do something differently. And if I can get 20 of those teachers, we can then dive deep into looking at how we structure learning differently in the one-to-one classroom. Those teachers go back to their schools. They're trying things. They are, they're talking, right? They're leaders in their building. And those teachers bring along the tier two teachers. Those tier two teachers then are start going through the, the uh, trainings as well. And of course, that hopefully... One of two things happens with your tier one teachers. They either have to get on the bus or we have to find a way to move them out of our district or or have them go somewhere else. But you can move 
you can move entire systems. So my recommendation is I would start with two tier two teachers, and we do this a lot with districts that I'm working with, but you have to know, you have to identify your front runners. You have to identify your scouts who are willing to go out and try things and fail and get back up and try something else. And these got to be, they got to be solid teachers. You give me that group and we start to change culture in a district because we need to have that group um, really leading the way. Now, here's the second part to this is as consultants and people who lead professional development in schools, and if you lead any kind of professional development, if you're a tech coach in your school district or even a leader in your school district, we're caught in this really interesting place in education because the way that adults learn and the learning theory behind it is called andragogy. And the way that we learn as adults is not the same as pedagogy, the way that children learn, right? So there are these two different learning theories. There's the way adults learn, and there's the way children learn, called pedagogy. Now, as teachers, we all know pedagogical approaches. We all know best practices for kids because that is our job. What happens in professional development, though, is if we take those same pedagogical strategies and we try to do them with adults, you frustrate adults. We have to understand that the adult learner is different, but this becomes the crazy, awkward, weird world of being able to have professional development for teachers. You need to understand that adult learners need things structured differently Yet at the same time, you have to provide opportunities for them to see the pedagogical strategies at play. And so you have to walk this fine balance between here's what I know you need as an adult learner. Here are the things I know the adult learner brain needs. But because you're a teacher, I have to somehow structure that in a way that allows you to connect that to your pedagogical practices. No other industry has to do that. If you're just doing professional development for somebody in a corporate world, you're not worried about them going back and applying that to younger children, right? They're just adults are all adults. Uh, And so we rock this really crazy world. And so spend time, if you're a PD provider, understanding the different learning theories, adult learning theories versus pedagogical children learning theories. And then structure your professional development so you're hitting both sides. It's, a, it's really, really a key. And it what sets the great professional development workshop strategies away from those that aren't so, aren't so good. And so keep that in mind or, or do some research on that if, if you give professional development. Next question. How do we ensure opportunities for all students regardless of the teacher? Well, that's really difficult. You know, I I don't know if I have an answer for that is how do you bring all your teachers along? And that, again, it it takes time. We're talking three to five years, depending on the size of your district, that might be shorter or that might be longer. You know, I work with some school districts that are really small that the entire, you know, middle school and high school is 30 teachers. We move those districts a lot faster than districts who have a thousand, 2000 teachers. It just takes time. But you have to understand that it's not going to be a perfect slope, right? We're not going to get everybody moving at the same time. We have to take every individual teacher where they're at, just like we do with students, and bring them along. And we can, but it's 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 growth. And we have to spend time actually teaching and implementing these new learning theories, ha- giving time for them to reflect and to grow and be part of this embedded professional development. All right, so that, that becomes a, a key player. Um, so another question... Uh, I'm trying to think here.
So here's a good question. How are we going to systematically do this so all are involved and not forced? And the problem is, is some might just have to be forced. And here, here's actually what I wrote. I said, some might have to be forced. However, you start with the schools, you have the leadership in place to support. In one district that I'm working with, the admin team went out and actually sat down as an admin team and said, who's ready? Which leaders, which principals were ready to bring their teachers to the training? And that was from a district level. That was from a principal's level. Uh, the district leadership asked principals to think of their school and their staff and who would be re- ready when, because this school district was quite big and we're still in the middle of it. So it's going to take us seven years to get all of the teachers through this embedded professional development. And then they, there was commitment from the principals that they would come to the trainings with the teachers. And so if you decided you're like, okay, our school is ready is like fantastic. Then you, your, your teachers are going to get the professional development training this year. And you, the principal need to come to the trainings as well so that you are building your social capital and you're understanding what we're talking about in these changing methods. Right? So that is, that is a huge, huge piece to that is you can create a system to get all teachers involved and you can create a system that makes it that ensures that you get the right people on the bus at the right time. Everybody needs to get on the bus, but not everybody needs to get on the bus at the right time. Everybody's got a different stop. But let's take our principals who are ready to move with schools that are ready to move, and we start there. It's the same as taking your tier one teachers, tier two teachers, tier three teachers. We take our tier three schools. And and I'm not talking from a economic standpoint. I'm talking from a leadership standpoint. What leaders are ready to move their schools, and that's where you start in a district, all right? Um, Another one that I think is a really good question is set building norms for tech use. Yeah, I think there needs to be a setting building norms for tech use. And it's not just we expect the laptops to be open. It's not, and this is one of my favorites right now that's really frustrating me, that your students have to do IXL for 45 minutes a day. Those aren't norms. That's not teaching. You know, we've got to do better with these devices. If every kid has a laptop, how are we using the world as our curriculum and and using you know, plug in and sit down and doing math facts is not why I want every kid to have a, to have a, um, a, uh, laptop. Uh, another great question is, uh, how best to communicate tools and strategies within the ed tech framework. And this was really good. We had a great conversation about this cause I actually met with this district after they sent me these. And what I like to do is I, I like to set up something in districts called the circle of support. And we did this at the last school that I was actually a, an employee at where basically you have circles within circles and you are able then to say, okay, in the center circle, here are all of the tools that are non-negotiable inside our district. So it would be the grading platform or the student information system, or let's say that your, your district has adopted Canvas or Google Classroom. So you put all of these tools, maybe you've got um, Edpuzzle as a district, um, you know, uh, you're paying for a district license for something like Edpuzzle. And, or maybe you've decided that Flipgrid matches all your criteria. And so you put in the inner circle are all of the tools that, you can basically give out to teachers that says, if you use any of these tools, the ed tech team will be there to support you 100%. These are the tools that everybody can use that are 100% supported by the district or school. Then the next circle out, 
you start putting in tools that you're looking at, tools that are maybe coming. Maybe there's a new a new tool that it, you know is all of a sudden blowing up, but it's not in your inner circle. So it goes in this next circle, and that that is where you get those teachers who can say, okay, well I'm good with the inner circle tool, or maybe I'm a you know I'm a scout and I want to know what is the next tool that's coming. What's how am I pushing myself? So I can look at all of these tools in that next circle out and start picking with those and playing with those. But I know that if I have questions about those tools, the ed tech team's going to help me, but they're not going to maybe have all of the answers like they are in the circle, you know, in the center circle. And then you create a third circle out of that, which are, you know, the tools that we're just hearing that are popping up, that are kind of on the fringes, uh, that are coming and going. And then every year the ed tech team sits down and re looks at these circles of support. Are there things that move from the center circle gone because maybe they got bought or something changed? Are there things that now are in that second circle that have to come into the inner circle? Cause we're like, Oh my gosh, everybody loved using Quizlet. We're buying a not the Quizlet, I think you should, but you know what I'm saying is we're going to take Quizlet. We're going to buy a district license of Quizlet and that makes it in the middle. Um, so just use this idea. It's called circles of support and it's at what support level are you having different apps? And so I usually have three circles of support, middle circle supported 100% kind of second circle supported at like a 50 to 80%. We need teachers out there, but you're going to be a little bit on your own. And then this third circle that is good luck, may the force be with you circle and tell us how it goes. Right. Um, and that allows teachers then to self-select on where they want to be. Um, so a couple of the other questions, I love this question. They asked me is they said, what questions are we not asking? And I thought that was really good because here are some questions that I hear that I don't know if districts are asking right now. Number one, what impact does this have on the larger community? What impact does going one-to-one have on your larger school community? Parents, businesses, um, you know, elderly that live in the community. We need to be thinking about the impact that, that this has, these movements have on our larger community. Number two, how do we make sure we bring parents along with these new ideas? What a great question. How are you bringing your parents along with these new ideas? Because all of a sudden you're sending a laptop home with you, with students. Parents need to understand that they're still the parent. They still have permission to take that laptop away. They need to understand that there are a lot of changes going on in these kids' lives. Uh, we are raising digital children and we've got to bring and support those parents along the way. Question number three, are you asking how are we supporting parents in helping them become digital parents? Question number four, are we expanding our knowledge of what we mean when we use the term curriculum? Oh, I love that one. Let me read that one again. Are we expanding our knowledge of what we mean when we use the term curriculum? I love that. Next question. Are we all talking the same terms when we use the words resources, content, curriculum, and pedagogy? And what is the relationship between them all? I love doing this activity that I do with districts where we actually have them uh, sit down and do a little uh, activity around resources, content, curriculum, and pedagogy. And it's fascinating to just see that in the same leadership team meeting, we all aren't talking the same stuff. And that becomes really, really important. Next question. There are more questions. uh, there are more questions, but if you'll notice, there's not there's none about technology. It's about changing the culture of teaching and learning, and that's the real work. And that's what I love about this is that this isn't about technology. You know, we use technology as a way to have a deeper conversation about teaching and learning. It's not about the tech. It's about how are we teaching differently because we have the tech. Um, 
So, oh, this was a really good question. Uh, what problems have come up for other districts who have started this before us? I love this question. Um, and I said, here's the really good news. You're not the first district to do this. You're not the first district to go one-to-one. So you can learn from everyone else that's come before you. In fact, I would say that if you're going one-to-one right now, you're probably in the middle to the back of the bell curve. But this is what I love. This is what I wrote to this district. Here's what doesn't work. You want to know how to fail at a one-to-one program? Number one, plan, 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 and never do it. I have so many districts who plan to go one-to-one, plan to roll it out, plan to get it ready. As soon as we get all the pieces together, then we'll roll it out. Well, guess what? Technology doesn't stop. So you get all the pieces together, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, now we have to up our wireless. Well, now that the wireless is updated, we have to update the servers. And now that the servers are all updated, the wireless updated again. Like I've got districts who just, they've got the five-year plan and all they do is keep planning and they never do it. At some point, you've got to do it. I have districts that talk about it and never do it. I get uh, districts getting caught up in the what-ifs that never play out and you never needed to. What if the kids do this? What if the parents react this way? What if? You can talk yourself out of anything if you start playing the what if game. Another thing, you wanna uh, shut down a one-to-one program really quick? Don't trust students. Lock down devices, don't give them access to anything, and I guarantee you your one-to-one will fail. (laughs) Next one, think that everything students will do on a device will be evil and forget about the millions of things they will do that will be downright awe-inspiring. I get districts and leadership all the time that come to me and say, I, we're trying to think of all the bad things kids will do. And that is such a killer mindset for me as an educator. Why are we focused on all the evil things they might, might do and instead trying to figure out what are all the opportunities that we can give them to be awe-inspiring with us? Why are we looking at this in a positive way? Are there bad things out there? Absolutely, there are bad things out there. I know there are bad things out there. But if you spend your entire time worried about the bad things, you miss the most amazing moments. And so we've got to change our mindset and understand that 99.9% of students on these devices do incredible things. And yes, we need to be worried about the 0.1%, but do not let that get in the way of allowing the millions of other students to get the education they deserve. Another thing that I see, blocking social media and YouTube, aka not trusting students. If you're going to block YouTube, block social media, I have school districts all over the place that block social media, block YouTube. And the first question I ask them is like, please tell me by blocking these sites, you've seen cyberbullying go down. And I've not had one district be able to show me data that by blocking social media and YouTube and other sites, that social that cyberbullying has actually decreased. The only school districts that have ever been able to show me that, that they have data to back up that uh, cyberbullying has decreased are districts who are unblocking social media, unblocking places like YouTube, and having conversations with kids in the school on how do you use it appropriately. We want caring adults having conversations with students on how to use this stuff in a powerful, positive way. That is what helps with cyberbullying, blocking it, and pretending it's not there so teachers can't talk about it, never does. Here's what works. Just do it. 
at some point you just got to go one-to-one. And again, we're in 2019. If you're not one-to-one or not thinking about one-to-one, your school's got, got to get on board with this. It's not going away. The internet is not going away. The workforce of tomorrow needs to know how to learn online. Um, understand that each school district is different. You know, I get school districts that come to me all the time and they ask, well, you know, how do we do this? And my answer is, I don't know. How do you do this? Every school district is a different size. You have different criteria, you know, and that's okay. There's a million ways to do it right. There's only a couple of these ways to do it wrong. Planning and don't do it. Don't trust students. And if you try to block everything from kids, that's how you do it wrong. There's a million ways to do it right. Do your research and do what is right for you. You know, right now I'm working with five different districts. They're all doing it a little bit differently. They all have long-term embedded professional development, but the way they rolled them out, how they decided to roll them out, how they're bringing their parent community along, where they focused on things, that's all been different. And it's the right thing for each of those districts. Don't get caught in trying to be somebody else, right? Um, Another question that I like here is, this was a really good question. What questions should we ask staff, admins, and teachers about why they about what they know and where they think and where they think we should be with tech integration? Let me read that question again. What questions should we ask staff about what they know and where they think we should be with tech integration? Now, I've done this before at other schools, and I've had a lot of schools do this where you send out a survey to teachers and ask them about how comfortable are you are how comfortable are you with this technology or how comfortable are you with that technology to try to figure out where to start professional development. Here's what I have found with all of those. Most people don't know what they don't know. Most people th- rank themselves either too low when they really have the skills or too high, and they really don't know where they rank if you're just having them ask about some simple tech skills. So what I like to do is if you're going to actually survey your staff, here are some of the questions that I like to ask. Number one, how do you use technology in your day-to-day life? AKA, do you text message? Do you make phone calls? Do you use Google Maps? Tell me some of the ways they use technology every day. Have you ever created a video? Do you do online banking? Do you know how to Skype or FaceTime or be able to have a video conference call with a family member? Do you research things online before you make a purchase? Do you buy anything online? Do you use any social media and which ones? Have you ever watched a YouTube video to learn something? Have you ever left a comment online or a product review? Or have you ever reviewed a product, hotel, airline, or anything else from online? You see, here's what I love about these questions. These questions are way more insightful into their true use and understanding of technology because this isn't about education. It's about the way we live. And the crazy part is, is if you've ever created a video on your phone, you know how to use video with students. If you've ever watched a YouTube video to learn something, you know how the power of video to learn, especially in a media first generation in a just-in-time world. If you use social media, then you know how to have the conversation with students around social media behavior. If you've ever left a comment online or reviewed a product that is called persuasive writing, we need to understand that that is what writing looks like today. So I love asking questions about you in your life because Then I use that in my PD sessions and say, oh, 
So 90% of you are on social media. What conversations are you having with your students? Because you know how social media works. It all pretty much works the same, right? Or, oh, you've all watched YouTube videos to learn something. How are you using video in the classroom to teach kids to learn something? You can just use these same questions um, as, a, as a great guide into opening up those conversations with teachers. Um, I think that's about it. That's all that I, I really wanted to go over with you. Just a great list of questions. I get, again, I get these questions often. If you have questions that you'd like to send me about your school or your school wants to come out, this was great. This was questions put together by both the EdTech team and the curriculum coordinators for this school district. And I thought I'd just take time talking about some of those questions that we get so often uh, in this work and some of my responses, whether you liked them or not. But if you did like them or you have other questions or comments, please, you can leave a comment on this episode at sospodcast.org slash episode 80 or you know, send a comment. There's also a, you can go to our Flipgrid. If you have something else longer that you would like to add, please leave a Flipgrid response. Again, all those links are at sospodcast.org and across the top, you can leave comments on our Flipgrid or you can leave a comment specifically on this episode. So I hope you enjoyed that. Just some questions that I've had the last couple weeks from a school district and thought I'd turn it into a podcast, some of my responses. Have a great week and I'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.